in today's gospel, Jesus is retreating with his disciples. We could think of this as the first ever vestry retreat. <laughs> Takes his disciples to a relatively remote place near Caesarea Philippi, which is on the slopes of Mount, Hebr uh, of Mount Hermon, uh, which is also the source of the River Jordan. And so in a very real sense, it's a sacred place. In fact, Hermon means sacred. And there he asks a question that has troubled us, puzzled us, challenged us, made us think down through the ages. Who do people say that he is? Who do people say that he is? People say a lot about Jesus and who he is, and I suppose who he is not. The disciples reached into their knowledge of the Hebrew Bible and, and thought, well, maybe, maybe a, a, a prophet. Elijah, who's supposed to come at the end of time, perhaps. Or maybe even John the Baptist, a chilling thought if you think about it, because John the Baptist was beheaded just a few chapters earlier. And that would, be, would, not, be, that would not be a good omen for, uh, for Jesus at this point. It's a very interesting question. Who do people say that he is? Constantine, uh, Constantine called the first ecumenical council to answer that question in 325. It took a few uh, decades to work it out, but in a, moment, a few moments we'll say the creed, the Nicene Creed, which is the answer to the question posed by the Emperor Constantine. Who do people say that he is? The New Testament is filled with, uh, with ideas about who Jesus is. Jesus is the Savior, the Rabbi, the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of David, the Son of Mary. Jesus is the light of light, the Word incarnate. Jesus is so many things, it would seem. It's kind of sometimes hard to sort it out. The early church had iconography that saw Jesus as a vine, a peacock, a cross, of course. Over the centuries, people have gone to the stake because somebody else didn't like their answer to that question. Nations have gone to war with one another because they couldn't agree on who Jesus was. We still have that problem some places today. Who is Jesus? For Paul Tillich, Jesus is the new being. For Karl Rahner, a Catholic uh, theologian, Jesus is the perfect human being. For John Dominic Crossan, another theologian, Jesus is a revolutionary. For James Cone, Jesus is the black messiah. For Vine Deloria, Jesus is the red god. And in a rock musical, Jesus is a superstar. A few years ago, someone at a coffee hour stopped me and, and said, what does it mean to say Jesus is the Son of God? It can't be about the DNA, can it? 
That led to a uh, month-long discussion group in the middle of summer in that church to answer this question, who do people say that he is? In the book of, in the letter to the uh, Colossians, Jesus is the one who is filled with the goodness of God. In the letter to the Hebrews, he is the perfect imprint of God. Jesus is all these things and more. So it's an interesting question and a challenging question, but it's not the most important question. The most important question is, comes next, who do you say that he is? Uh, Martin Luther once wrote, I care not that he be the Messiah, but that he be the Messiah for you. This is a much more challenging question. Who do you say that he is? Who is this Christ who gets under our skin and into our lives? We're called by his name, aren't we? So, that, so this is not a question of passing interest. This is central to us. Answering this question is as much about us as it is about Jesus, more so. The, repertoire, the, the conversation between Jesus and, and Peter is, is enlightening in this regard, I suppose. Uh, Jesus, uh, uh, Peter says, oh, well, you're the Messiah. And Jesus then goes on to say, well, he's, he, he's going to suffer and die. Well, nowhere in Jewish literature, anywhere, does it say the Messiah is going to suffer and die. In fact, Messiahs come to end suffering. To, to conquer death. What can you do with a dead Messiah? So Peter is, is totally confused by all of this and says, no, 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 that's not right. That's the wrong answer, Jesus. And uh, is, is judged then by him to be satanic in his response. And then Jesus says what he says so often in the Gospels. In order to, the one who would save his life will lose it and the one who would lose his life for my sake and the sake of the Gospels will save it. I didn't go back and count, but I'm sure you know, you, you know just as well as I do that Jesus, this, this saying of Jesus is quoted often in, in the Gospels, many times. So it must be central to who he is and how we understand who he is. The one who would save his life will lose it and the one who would lose his life for the sake of the gospel, for my sake and the sake of the gospel, will save it. So knowing who Jesus is for us, which is as much about who we are as it is about who he is, has everything to do with being self-sacrificial, losing something, giving up life, some piece of life, some piece of who we are in order to serve. I have a, uh, a sister who can sometimes say interesting things, and she called me up probably a month ago and said she had seen a dress that my wife would love to have for her birthday. She said, it's to die for. 
You know, I've heard that before, but it somehow struck me just differently this time. A dress is something to die for. But then that is, then the, then the, then the question comes, what is there to die for? What, what is there to die for? What cause is so noble that we're willing to sacrifice everything? Jesus said the one who would save his life will lose it. The one who would grasp life and not surrender any piece of it. The one who would put self ahead of others. The one whose instincts are all about self-preservation. The one who uh, cannot find a way to let go of the things that are unimportant in order to discover the things that are important that person will never find life. And the one who is willing to put aside selfish interest, to find the things that are important, to be, to serve, to be self-sacrificial, that's the person who will find life. Psychologists know all about this, incidentally. Uh, if you ask psychologists what makes you happy, what makes one happy, the answer is serving others being part of a cause greater than one's own self, being of service, putting oneself out. You know this, well, this town is filled with people who have done just that, is it not? Who've given themselves professionally to serve others. This church is filled with it, but, but everybody knows that in their, own, in their own experience. Everybody, including me, has had the phone ring on just the wrong day when somebody on the other end says, I, I, I need a hand, can you come help me? And I had something really important I wanted to do for me. But I swallow hard and say, of course I'll help. And you do too. And when you help, you, and when it's over, and you reflect on the experience, you, f you know how much gratitude there is that you feel for having been willing to help someone when it wasn't absolutely convenient. That happens to us regularly, all of us, regularly. And it is, in a small way, what Jesus meant when he said the one who would save his life will lose it, and the one who would give his life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will save it. This is the life into which all of us are called. This is the life of the church, the life into which we baptize. When you become a member of this organization, this Jesus movement, hashtag Jesus movement, you agree to do just that, to put the interests of others ahead of your own. And that is the way we, find, we save our life, and, and it is the way to fulfillment. It is the way to joy. It is the way to love. It is the way to peace. And it is the way into which we will now baptize Claire and Grace here at St. John's at this fall.